because I remember when I was 16, after like the physical and sexual violence, I took a test on this website, loveisrespect.org. That website is basically like the national resource for youth that are experiencing abusive relationships or teen dating violence. And so I went on that website and I took an, a quiz and if you scored five points, that means that relationship is abusive. I scored 55 points. Welcome to the Soci Effect, breaking barriers, embracing success. I'm your host, Lucy Ortega, a serial entrepreneur. In this podcast, we will not only delve into stories of triumph, but also explore nuestra cultura and embrace our authenticity. Join our empowering community of socias, mujeres who embrace their unique power, support one another, and strive to make a positive impact. Join us in the Soci Effect, where barriers crumble and and dreams flourish. Empezamos entonces. Hello everyone, welcome back to The Associate Effect. This is episode four. And today's episode, I have a special guest. It's my sister, Anna. And she is 22, about to be 23 next month. And the topic of today is overcoming DV at 21. Anna, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background and we can go from there. So hello, my name is Anna. I am Lucy's sister. She called me her first child in the unedited version of this. My name is Anna Ortega. I am, I like to consider myself an advocate and I work in the DV field, but I am also a first generation Latina uh, from South Central, uh, born and raised. Uh, you can find me at La Sur Centro on Instagram if you're interested. Tell us a little bit about your background and maybe let's dive into what dv domestic violence meant to you as a child and then once you start experiencing it i think people probably know a little bit about my background because we're sisters so we grew up in the same household i am like i said first generation latina we share the same parents our parents are immigrants and our parents come from a very rural conservative town it was really really common to just hear about domestic violence but the thing is it wasn't known as domestic violence i feel like growing up as a kid i remember like hearing about domestic violence like in those shows like so like you'd see these women or um being beat by their husbands or children right being beat by their fathers but even though i saw that and you were like okay this is this is this is bad like this isn't a good thing i wasn't able to translate into understanding that the same thing that was happening in my home or other people's homes like like in my family, I, I I didn't connect that they were the same thing, like that they're both domestic violence. I kind of was just like, because I remember one time asking my mom after seeing like a family member with like a bruise right at a family party, I kind of just asked my mom when I was a kid and kind of was trying to ask her like why, like, you know, what's what happened? And I feel like I remember my mom kind of saying like, you don't you don't talk about that and you don't make judgments about people in your family i think there was just this very like idea that we it happens but it doesn't happen in our family like not the metas yeah yeah like not que te importa but it's just things that happen at home it was just overall normalized in the extended family and then within the individual ones it was just kind of like yeah this is normal like we're not there's nothing to raise it awareness about but then also i think it's a reflection of how maybe 
from the town they're from, but even just in society in general, like there is this normalization of domestic violence or like you just don't talk about it because it is seen as like an at-home issue and not an actual issue that needs to be addressed. So it's it's just kind of like more of a reflection of like culture and society norms to just like not want to talk about domestic violence. As I was thinking about the this specific episode today, I was remembering the novelas, Lo que callamos las mujeres, Mujer Causa de la Vida Real, just what you mentioned, because in our home, it was both of our parents, not just dad to mom. I feel like I didn't think that was TV. I used to think domestic violence happens only men to women. And the reason why, because I didn't really understand what the word domestic meant. I thought it was woman, right? Because usually... To, to describe women in, in, in Espanol is like ama de casa, right? Like, lo, lo, lo que es doméstico. And that sounds, that's a very feminine word. So when I would think about domestic violence, I would be like, whoa, it doesn't really happen because both of my parents are are being rude to each other. So that's how I, I never really thought that was what was happening at home until recently. And I realized, oh, we, we were living in a home because both both people were doing yeah i think that also played a role in influencing why i didn't think what was happening specifically in our home wasn't domestic violence was because like you said both of our parents were doing like participating in it not participating but yeah like they were both doing it and i think you said like on the tv the only thing we saw is like a woman being be by their husband right like the abusive husband and like the wife that's getting abused but the reality is domestic violence looks different in every household like sometimes it's the woman being very abusive to the men and it's the woman that holds the control in the relationship and or like some their same-sex partners or just lgbtq plus people right like there's also domestic violence in those types of relationships but because all we ever see if they even dare to talk about it in the media it's like an abusive husband with a wife that's getting abused and I think that too this idea of I think because I saw both of my parents participate in it I was like okay well if it was domestic violence then there would be just one person and there's two people and this idea of like mutual abuse and I think that kind of made me just yeah like you said not really think that what was going on in my home was not affecting me as bad as probably other people or it, it wasn't much of a, of, of a problem but looking back now I'm like yeah like definitely seeing that growing up had an impact on me and it was it was traumatic or influenced when when it ended up happening to me like I I wasn't able to detect it because it had just been normalized for so long tell us how how did you experience DV in your relationship and maybe even a little bit of background to that relationship? My experience with domestic violence is happened when I was a, a teenager. So I was a teenager when I entered this relationship with someone who was the same age as me. I, I've heard of like teenagers who enter relationships with older men. So I sometimes think about that trauma too, like for some other people who experience abusive relationships when they're teenagers. but. There's also teenagers that enter relationships with other teenagers. So I entered a relationship with someone that was the same age as me. I was 13, and because of the a lot of the violence growing up at home, but then also the abuse I experienced from like my mom, and then I always considered like my dad was emotionally absent. It kind of led me to develop a very I had like no self-esteem. I think the only self-esteem I developed was at school. So that was where I got my confidence from, and so when I entered 
middle school we went to middle school in south central so it, it went from like elementary school where you were being like baby to then like a, a middle school and you just kind of see more of the real world and more of the stuff that goes down in the neighborhood so i remember i was just really insecure at the time i was trying to grow up everyone was having boyfriends or like in relationships and i up to that point i didn't have a really strong sense of myself and i never really felt seen either at home or maybe it's at school a little bit by my teachers but i was just in a very vulnerable place like a lot of teenagers trying to figure yourself out some boy like i met him he just like made me feel seen he complimented me about how smart i was and just how different i was and i think it, it meant a lot for me at that age to feel like oh my god like someone's finally seeing me for who i am and can try to understand like where i'm coming from and so it started off like that looking back now i was definitely love bomb because in the beginning i was made to feel like special like i'm very smart like i'm very driven I'm gonna go far and i'm beautiful and I, I grew up i think not a lot of people know this but like i grew up with scars on my face and at the time i was just so insecure about my scars since i was a kid up until i was probably in high school so when this person this person told me about my own beauty i kind of was like I, I guess i am beautiful despite my scars so I was just in a, in a place where I was just vulnerable and I can be impressed, right? And this person did said the right things, did the right things. But then as time went by, like these controlling behaviors started to show up. I think the biggest one for me was that when we were friends, this person and I, I actually talked to him about my bisexuality, about how I thought that I was bisexual because I kept noticing that I thought a lot of girls were pretty and when we were friends it was something cool but then when as we got deeper into our relationship like probably four months and when he started kind of always questioning me like are you gay all the time and it led me to just be like I'm bi I think I'm bi and he started to have an issue with it from there it went from not just like my bisexuality being questioned all the time to then now once upon a time me being a smart girl and liking books meant like oh do you think you're better than me or you think you're smarter than everyone and it's just like out of nowhere it went from being love bomb to all those things no longer made me special it was just kind of like a reverse uno and i also noticed that i my friends i was kind of asked to spend less time with my friends and if i just just like all these controlling behaviors started to evolve as we got older and and then basically in those I, I like to consider that that relationship went from 13 to i was 19. the abuse just evolved every day i definitely experienced like emotional abuse psychological abuse and then eventually at its peak there was a lot of sexual abuse physical violence physical abuse and i was in and out all the time for years like i think i probably was in and out for like six or seven times and, that, and that's the thing too like we went to the, we ended up going to the same high school and I remember when I was in that high school, it was a small school. Everyone knew everybody's business. So everybody saw me getting played and cheated on and like everybody, everybody knew. I remember at when the, the abuse was really bad, I was like around 16. And it, it led me to just be suicidal. But at the time, I didn't know it led me to be suicidal because I, I, I didn't understand that that's what was happening. But when I was in therapy years later, my therapist confirmed to me like you were suicidal at the time. It was just all these things and when i was in high school and i graduated i had the hopes that maybe i would finally be able to leave that relationship because i was going to school out of los angeles and i'd 
being, we'd be in different states. But I actually went back one last time. I just kept going in and out. And I remember that last time that I was in that relationship, like my friends didn't want me to get back with him. My family didn't want me to get back with him. I remember like my sisters. I remember like, I think you and probably like my other sister were just like kind of confused as to how that happened. Oh, when you say in and out, you mean on and off? Yeah, like okay. on and off, but I say in and out because I would want to leave and I would mm. finally find the confidence to leave. But then he'd do things to reel me back in, but it wasn't even treating me better. Sometimes it was just him using emotional manipulation, like I'm going to commit suicide or like if you leave me, I'm going to hurt myself or like I can't live without you or post-separation abuse, like which is really common for like victims, like when they finally leave or they try to leave the person would just do things at first they'll maybe try to love bomb say all these nice things and if they see that that's not working like they'll do the opposite and i remember this person would threaten me with like exposing me quote unquote to like my mom because she knew he, he knew that i was afraid of my mom letting her know that i'm not a virgin that i may be queer exposing my nudes at the time like it was just things that made me feel trapped i, I had no exit and I think my fear of like my mom knowing that about me was really, really scary. She grew up with this idea, you get married. The first person you date is who you get married and that's the only person you ever have sex with in your life. Like no premarital sex. There was never any conversation about queerness because it was just kind of known that my family was homophobic. I felt like I had no choice. So um, I was in and out until I was 19 when so this relationship was from 13 to 19 mm -hmm. and then 21 was like the final yes how old are you or when was it where you were like this is domestic violence i left when i was 19 but when i left that time it wasn't even because i was like this relationship is abusive the thing is that i i didn't didn't know it was abusive because i remember when i was 16 after like the physical and sexual violence i took a test on this website loveisrespect.org that website is basically like the national resource for youth that are experiencing abusive relationships or teen dating violence and so i went on that website and i took an, a quiz and if you scored five points that means that relationship is abusive i scored 55 points and for me that was like okay like 55 out of how many you're supposed five points meant that like you were experiencing abuse and you score 55 yeah but it's just basically the point was it was a really high number and that kind of led me to be like okay like there's something wrong with this relationship i think that's where i it, it shows more of how i felt trapped rather than me actually wanting to be in that relationship but anyways like so i kind of knew a little bit in high school and the, the the wild part is that when i last left it wasn't even because i'm like oh this relationship is abusive it was more just like I had told this person, look, I'm bi, I don't, it's not gonna change. You need to accept it, you need to grow the fuck up. And again, he was cool with it, but then two days later, he texted me with some really disgusting things and that kind of just made me be like, I'm leaving. Like, I'm leaving because this is ridiculous, like, we're grown now. There's no reason why you shouldn't trust me simply because I'm bi bisexual. So I left, I still had the hopes that like, not that we would get back together, but that at least we would become friends because in, in my perspective at that time, I was, okay, he was like a piece of shit sometimes, but he he was cool with me and we did grow up together. I grew up with him from the time I was 13 to 19 and that meant a lot to me. I still tried to kind of be friends with him 
and i remember when the pandemic hit i even was like oh like how are you how's your family i think in may 2020 like during lockdown obviously a lot of people were reflecting i found like a thread where it's i think it was hashtag new namas new namenos a lot of women in mexico were speaking out about femicidio and gender-based violence the sexual assault they experienced with their partners and so i read a thread and everything that this person was tweeting it was exactly what had happened to me and i think something kind of clicked in that moment where all the memories of what had happened before just kind of flooded me in and i realized like oh shit like this happened to me and i just kept kind of googling and researching and researching and i ended up on some sheet from the cdc about intimate partner violence like those those typical brochures that people give like to people to learn about domestic violence i read it and then i was every single thing clicked with my experience and that's when i realized like oh my god this isn't normal like this, this is this was abuse and this wasn't normal it was never normal and it hurt so bad and it led me to have like severe anxieties severe depression i finally blocked that person it felt like overnight like i went from being very productive to i i didn't want to wake up i couldn't go to sleep if I was awake, I would just have like intrusive thoughts and it was horrible. So that was definitely a lot. And I can only imagine how all these, I don't want to say negative emotions, but yes, negative feelings, anger, confusion, all of these things. A lot of questioning yourself because I think that's what ends up happening. You start blaming it again on you. Like, where was I? What happened? But then eventually, I'm assuming you were like, where the fuck were my parents? Where, 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 where was this? Where was that? When I found out about all of this, I, I also felt like, where was I for her? And then when all, when I started making the math, I was that was when I left to college. So in a way, I wasn't around to I, I wasn't around for much either. So how did you? How were you able to heal from it or are healing from it? I'm assuming it's a process. I I definitely experienced a lot of emotions, and especially during that time from May 2020 up until like September 2020, it was really bad. And that's when I decided to go to therapy and luckily at the time um, my college the, the college that i went to they had me under their health insurance so i was able to get therapy and i started it, it, it and i remember i was scared because therapy was just so stigmatized and it was just me going to therapy and I, it took me months before i could open up to my therapist about what had really happened it was probably like at the four or five month mark when i when i finally started telling her everything but simultaneously i did go back with this that person when i started therapy um i had i was in a short healthy relationship but left because i it made me realize how much trauma there was because being in a healthy relationship i was like oh wait so this is what happens in normal relationships so i just left because i felt so overwhelmed and then because i was so angry fuck i couldn't even maintain a healthy relationship because of the trauma from the past one i i got mad and i decided to unblock this person and just like go off on them and to my surprise he responded and he seemed very apologetic and that led us to meet up and it was supposed to be just us meeting up to be friends but it became us 
I didn't necessarily was thinking about being in a relationship with this person, but we were acting as if we were kind of dating again, just for like a couple weeks. And as that was happening, I was noticing all the like abusive behaviors and kind of analyzing this person. And I think that last time was enough for me to be like, I'm not crazy. I was never crazy. This did happen. This person is this way. And even though part of me wishes things would have been different, I am fully ready to let go of this person once and for all because part of the emotions that I felt was like abuse, but I don't think people understand that when people leave abusive relationships, nine times out of 10, that that person is still in love with the person that abused them because Mm. for that person, for like us who like survived that, the relationship was real. Like we were in love, we were emotionally invested and it's kind of wild that people expect people from in abusive relationships that have lived to be over it when even people that leave healthy relationships they are given time to grieve like they're given time to still be sad about things i think that's what led me to go back that one last time just for a short amount of time i never told my therapist because i was still so ashamed that it happened but we were able to work through a lot of other things basically after a couple months, this person started harassing me and calling me through different numbers. Emails. Emails. Oh yeah, like emails are really, really explicit. And my therapist advised me to get a restraining order. And I remember when I was younger, I thought about getting one, but I never did because I thought because I was a child or underage, I wouldn't be able to. Since I was finally an adult, I was like, I think I'm going to go through with it. And that's when I went to my parents. I don't know why. I think it's when you're still kind of like... Sometimes you still kind of go to your parents. So I went to them, kind of expecting them to be supportive. And I was met with like a completely different response. They kind of just told me to not go with it. I think it came from them being afraid of the court system, like they're immigrants. I don't think they ever trusted like the, the judicial system, the legal system. Um, they were afraid of what that might, what attention that may bring. And my mom also told me to think about his mom because she knew that that person's mother was a resident and just talk it out i i I think because they didn't really know that this was actually a common pattern i had experienced for years like i don't they they just didn't give me the response i i wanted and yeah that did lead me to develop a lot of anger towards them that i think i still am unpacking some to to this day sometimes so they weren't they weren't able to show up for me the way i expected them to but my therapist was kind of like the person that allowed me to keep going and i think i told my therapist about it crying to her and she said but you're able to fend for yourself now like you have the power it's it's you like it's not your parents like this is actually like a decision you can make where maybe you decide to break cycles that have been happening in your family for so long I was angry at my parents. I went to court, I got a restraining order, and I went by myself. I didn't tell my parents. I kind of just shut them out after that. The only person that really was supporting me was um, my younger sister. Like, she's the one that drove me to court. She's the one that went to court with me. But because it was COVID, she wasn't in the actual courtroom with me. She had to, like, leave me at the exit of of the courthouse. But she was there for me emotionally that whole summer, and... I think that's that's something like I can I can never forget like just how my parents weren't there for me I didn't feel like any of my family was there for me except probably my sister like my younger one and yeah like with time I just learned I just kept going to therapy 
and I got diagnosed with PTSD so a lot of people that experience domestic violence have end up being diagnosed with PTSD so my diagnosis helped me a lot because it helped me understand more about my mental health and understanding my symptoms and managing my symptoms it, it, it didn't feel like a scary thing anymore it just felt more like okay like this is my PTSD and I can live with it and it demystified so many things for me meeting new people connecting with new people I then I ended up being on TikTok for a cool minute I made a lot of videos about domestic violence and healing I I taken a pause on it for like a, about a year now but during that time like TikTok became the outlet for me because I saw other survivors talking about their stories sharing their stories and I didn't see a lot of Latinas so that's why I started posting too, be, or or young people for that matter. I think a lot of the survivors I, w I was seeing were like in their 30s, 40s, like women that had kids. And so I made content and I think making that content was very therapeutic because it allowed me to create something and I kind of used what happened to me to create something that uplifts me and also our other people and I just kind of kept doing, creating things, and then I I made domestic violence like something in my schoolwork, in my research, and it led me to now be where I am now, where I work in the field. And I don't work directly with survivors because I feel like I'm not at a point where it wouldn't trigger me. So I work more adjacent where I do more of an administrative position and I'm still hoping towards a cause and um, like yeah like it, it I and it's kind of I work towards that and I feel like I've been able to go on this break a cycle but then also start a new one where not a new cycle but just begin new and be part of the people that raise awareness rather than be part of the people that try to like downplay or not talk about domestic violence so that was a lot and you said the restriction was what year 2021 june of 2021 so it's been two years yeah and i only got a six month restraining order and that too the when i during the whole hearing i ended up hearing the judge the judge validated that what i was experiencing was harassment and it, it, it required a restraining order but I do remember her saying she didn't want to ruin anyone's future and I think it's because that person when they were defending themselves because they're allowed to defend themselves brought up how they had a research opportunity at some prestigious university but they were able to weave like a narrative about themselves he was just able to weave a really good narrative and so I think the judge kind of didn't see through it and I kind of had to hear like, yeah, like what happened to you? It, it just felt like what happened to me in those six years was just worthy enough to get a six month restraining order. And it was frustrating. That was a whole other conversation about like the legal system and drivers. Yeah. So this was a lot. And I think we would have to do a different episode on the second part that I wanted to talk about, which is more on queerness. This was a topic that you brought again and again and it was part of your relationship and i think it deserves its own episode so what would you tell someone who is experiencing dv or what's the other term that you were using intimate partner violence uh, violence or teen dating violence teen dating violence i think the first thing is 
to know that whatever's happening is not their fault. I think when you're in an abusive relationship, you end up feeling like everything is your fault or that you deserve what's happening to you. So that's number one. And two, it's there. there is resources out there when you're ready to receive them because I know it's it's not as easy as someone giving you a pamphlet and then now everything gets resolved. No, it takes time. There's a lot of factors. There's never any shame in your journey. If it takes you three times to leave, eight times, 20 times. What's the average? And average, it's eight times mm-hmm. before someone finally leaves. So it's your journey at your pace. Know that there's community out there and there are resources for you. Well, thank you so much for for being vulnerable with us. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate that you're doing this. You're free now. And that's, I think, the most important thing now. And I'm happy. I see you happier. And that makes me happy to see you out of that relationship and, and into a better one. Thank you for giving me the space. Feel free to check out my Instagram. Shameless plug. There's not much there. My yeah, wait, 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 where can where can they follow you? Um, my TikTok's not that active, but I still think my old content is good. It's arroba or at la de sur centro, so l a d e s u r c e n t r o. And a little quick backstory: that tag or name comes from the fact that I met a lot of. I'm from South Central. We're from South Central, and it was after a conversation with other girls from South Central talking about their experiences that made me feel inspired to talk more about my own. So I, I could be found at that username on Instagram on Instagram and TikTok. La de Sur Centro. Yeah. So if you ever need any resources on DV, Anna is more than happy to send some your way. Again, her handle for tiktok and instagram are at la de sur centro thank you everyone for joining us i'm about to cry (laughs) my voice is breaking a little bit thank you for joining us and i hope that you really enjoy this episode and if you think send this to your teen friends or nieces i think when we are teens especially we don't have a good um marriage if our parents don't have a good relationship, we tend to do what they do, what they, whatever they're practicing in their relationship. Make sure to share this with any other teens that would benefit from listening to this episode. And also, just because there's this shame to talk about relationships, right? You don't want to feel, you don't want to feel like you don't know, but you really don't know when you're a teenager. These are the first times that you're experiencing what love is, what relationship is, what sex is, and then. It, it, it's awkward sometimes, especially if you come from a family who's very conservative, Catholic, with this certain type of mentality. I can only imagine how, how teenagers don't want to feel judged by their own family. If you are enjoying the Socio Effect podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure to check out my Instagram and TikTok at by Lucy Ortega. And now I'm starting my blog post at bylucyortega.com. And if you want to subscribe to my newsletter, I'm going to be linking that info on the description for this episode. I'm your host, Lucy Ortega, and this was The Soci Effect. 
Hasta la próxima.